Hello, friends, and welcome to the Everyday Truth Podcast with Kurt Skelly. We are here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. And we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. Right now, we're studying the book of Revelation in a series called The End is the Beginning. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. And good morning, friends. Appreciate you joining us for today's episode of Everyday Truth. We're in Revelation chapter number 13 today, uh, talking about the Antichrist and the end days and world government and uh, Christians being persecuted. Pretty pretty heavy uh, topics that we've been talking about for the last couple of days. Uh, before we get into all that, I want to introduce you to a much more uh, satisfying topic to me, and that is coffee and today's coffee mug which says H on it. Do you see that? H. And that H stands for Hannah. Hannah is my baby girl, and she is married and lives in Australia, and I miss her desperately, uh, but I'm glad she met the right guy. She's happily married, loves the Lord, but that H reminds me of her, so I thought about her extra special today, as I do every day, and drank my coffee. Here we are in Revelation chapter 13, and uh, we, we're talking about the control of the Antichrist and the scope of his control during these end days and the, the, the target that he has in his mind. He's targeting God's people. Matter of fact, not, not only is he targeting God's people, but satanically empowered and satanically controlled, he's targeting really God himself. And the issue has always been an issue of the devil hates God. And the devil has been full of pride. And he wants what God has. He wants the glory that belongs alone to God. And so the world stage and human beings and world leaders and all of that are simply tools in Satan's process. Satan doesn't care about people. He doesn't care about uh, events. He doesn't care about, he cares about himself. And all of it is simply an attempt to rest away from God, which rightfully and righteously belongs to him. Look at verse number eight of our text, Revelation chapter 13 and verse number eight. Uh, the Bible says, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. Now, it just means that all people groups shall worship the devil and the false prophet, or rather the, the, the beast, uh, the Antichrist. We'll get to the false prophet here in a, in a moment. Uh, the point here is, is not that every single person will, because we know that there will be faithful people on earth. We know that there are people that will embrace the gospel. We know there's the 144,000 that are sealed. The point here is that uh, the world en masse and the world as an entity will follow the Antichrist, will believe him and worship him. And the Bible says in verse number eight again, and, he, that, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb. Uh, of the, the, whose names are not written in the book of the uh, book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So, a couple things I want to point out about this verse. First of all, the the verse number eight is the general teaching of verse eight is that those that that don't know that aren't saved 
will worship the beast, will worship the the, the Antichrist. Those that are saved will, will not. So then the question is, well, then who are, how does the Bible describe those that are saved on planet Earth at the time? Well, the Bible says they are those whose names are written in the book of life. And, and from the foundation of the world is a qualifying prepositional phrase that refers back to the book of life. It doesn't refer back to the lamb slain. So let me read it again with that emphasis. So whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb slain. So it's the book of life of the lamb slain. It's the book of life of the lamb, of the lamb slain. And then it says, from the foundation of the world. In other words, they're written there from the foundation of the world. So what does that mean? Does that mean that God has arbitrarily chosen some people to go to heaven and some people to go to hell? And the people that he chose to go to heaven long before you were even born, he you, you got lucky and he wrote your name down in a book. And if you weren't supposed to be saved, he didn't write your name down in the book. And you never had a chance to believe on Christ. And you've just been doomed and damned from the moment you were created. Is that what the Bible is teaching? No, not at all. Uh, the Bible teaches very clearly that all men have the opportunity to be saved. Uh, that Christ died for everybody. Not He's the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So uh, in no way, shape, or form do I believe that God is arbitrary in choosing some people based upon nothing other than I want some people to be saved, I want some people to be damned. That I don't, I don't believe the Bible teaches that at all. So then what do you make of a verse like this? Well, a couple things. First of all, the fact that their, their names were written from the foundation of the world uh, might simply mean that every name was written from the foundation of the world. And in the book of life, uh, those that have rejected Christ ultimately are no longer there. Their names have been blotted out. I think passages like Revelation chapter 3 and verse 5 uh, maybe suggest that. So that's one option. Another option is simply this. Who are we to think that we understand eternity? So when God speaks in terms of time, like this happened back then before there was time, you know, how, how are we to understand that on a linear chronological time frame? We can't. So the simple fact is you and I as temporary human, human beings are limited by time and space. And so we have to deal with matters in the present because that's all that we have. We don't have the benefit of traveling back in time or forward in time. But God, who is eternal, is already there. God, God already is in our future. He's already in our past. He is the great eternal one. He's not bound by delineation of time. So I know that might seem confusing, but the point here is this. The Bible is not trying to give us a, uh, a scientific lesson about time and time travel or time understanding in verse number eight. The Bible is simply teaching us that those that are saved in the tribulation time are not going to worship the beast. Those that are not saved, who do not know Christ as the lamb slain, who have not embraced him and his substitutionary death, they will, they will worship uh, the Antichrist. And that, that's the simple teaching of Scripture. So look at now, if, if you would, at verse number nine. 
where it's it's interesting because we've seen this before in our study of the book of Revelation, but there's one kind of nuanced difference. So look at verse number nine, where it says, if any man have an ear, let him hear. So notice to whom John is speaking in verse number nine. If any man hear, let him hear. In other words, if you want to understand this, if you have a measure of spiritual discernment, understand what I'm saying. Understand what this is, what this teaching is. Now, what's the nuance of difference? Well, remember back in chapters two and three, how we saw the recurrence of this little statement, if any man has ears to hear, but it's let the Spirit hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. But after chapter four, there's no reference to the churches. Why? Because we believe that from chapter four on, uh, the church has been caught up hither. The church has been raptured. And so these are not words to the church in that sense, because the church age is now over and God has redirected his attention to the nation of Israel. This is Daniel's 70th week. This has been determined upon God's people. So this is a warning to people in general uh, to hear. If any man hear, let him hear. Look at verse number 10. And here's the message that God wants these people of this a tribulation period to understand, especially believers. Watch what God wants believers to know during this time of great persecution, this time of great world domination, this time of Antichrist's rule. Verse number 10, he that leadeth into captivity, so who is that? Well, that's, that's the Antichrist and his government. He is leading people into captivity. He's arresting people. People are being put into detention centers. They're put put into concentration camps. Uh, They're being indicted for. Uh, They're being arrested, indicted, and imprisoned for their faith in Jesus Christ. So he that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. So verse number 10 is speaking about retribution. So those that seem to be in power that are imprisoning Believers, they themselves will go to prison. Now, not an earthly prison, not a man-made prison, but the prison of of death and hell and the lake of fire, ultimately. Verse number 10, he that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. So those that are uh, inflicting the death penalty upon believers during the tribulation time, they will be dealt with. Their lives will be uh, held in account for the lives that they have taken. So in other words, there is a judge. His name is God. He's keeping track. And all things shall not the judge of all the universe do right. So this should be a great comfort to believers who are being hunted down like animals. This should be a great comfort to believers that are hiding out in caves and in mountains. Remember the, how the Jews have run to Ammon and to Moab and to Edom. Some are probably hiding in the cliffs of Petra and trying to escape from Antichrist to hold out during these 42 months. Well, the Bible teaches that, that there, there can be hope even during these days of fear. Why? Because God is in control and God will ultimately 
uh, will ultimately take uh, render justice, I think is what I'm looking for there. So uh, a great parallel passage to this would be James chapter 5, where it says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Uh, behold, the, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath the long patience for it, until he receive the early and the latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord, for an example of suffering affliction and of patience, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. So what's that passage in James 5 teach us? It teaches us, hey, Jesus is coming. We can be patient. And to uh, tribulation saints, they can look to the same promise. Jesus is coming. Now, for us as church-age saints, we're looking for the coming of Jesus in the rapture, the coming in the air. But to these tribulation saints, they can look to the coming of Jesus to this earth when he comes with his own, you and me, to strike down the armies of Antichrist, to end this world governmental system, to set up his own government, to rule and reign from Jerusalem, to inaugurate the millennium. So there is great hope even in great darkness. Why? Because we know that Jesus is coming and we know that Jesus is in control. And watch now what it says at the end of verse number 10, where it says, here, in other words, in this truth, here is the patience and the faith of the saints. So the, the Old Testament, or rather the Old Testament, the Old English word patience uh, is a word that we would use today as endurance. So here is the endurance. Here is the perseverance of the saints and the faith of. So what will keep people going during the tribulation time? What will keep them persevering? What will keep them hanging in there? The knowledge that Jesus is coming. And even though I may die a martyr's death, and even though I might die under Antichrist's sword, Jesus is coming, and shall not the judge of all the universe do right? And there is ultimate justice when we put our faith and trust in God and in God's plan. And what's true for tribulation saints, by the way, is true for you today as well. You might be going through a hard time. You might just be struggling right now. It seems like evil is in charge. It seems like you're just a pawn in some big chess game that you're losing. Hey, God's the chess master. He's got things under control and we can trust him. Yes, even today in our smaller tribulations. Well, I hope that helps. Uh, that's all the time that we have for today. So we're going to stop right there at verse number 10. We'll come back to verse 11 next episode. Hope you'll join us. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.